Dynasty Think Tank. I am Chad Parsons. He's Jordan McNamara. We share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Big three thoughts for the week, and we have to start with Alvin Kamara. He agrees to plead no contest, misdemeanor charge, and he's going to have community service. He's going to have uh, be pay, paying the victim there with medical bills um, by sources. And Jordan, we're going to break down what that means because no jail time. That was something that was potentially up in the air. But what are your expectations in terms of potential missed time and where this leaves him legally as well as with the NFL? Yeah, so we delved that deep into this on uh, on our premium show this week over at Patreon. So you can go check that out as well. Now, we covered the entire NFC South. Um, you know, I think when you look at assaults right it sometimes in some states they're called batteries right when you punch someone in the face that type of conduct when you look at the history of the suspensions in the nfl if they are not domestic violence related and the if they are not involving a woman right kareem hunts involved a woman ezekiel Elliott, some other people uh were domestic violence related when you look at the ones that are not in that category and this would fall under that it's really like a one to four games is the historical range of these, right? Going back a while, right? Recently, right? Yeah, as recently as a couple of years ago with a guy like Nigel Bradham, right? So I think that that's sort of the range that we're looking at. I set a line on Twitter. Uh, what's the length of Alvin Kamara's suspension after pleading guilty to a misdemeanor? Uh, over under four and a half, 31% taking the over of four and a half, 69% taking the under there. So, um, like, I think that should be under, I'd bet pretty aggressively under if there was an actual line. Uh, and I, I think that, um, I think he's in a pretty good situation to be a difference maker in 2023. Yeah. He, he's been running back 15 or better in adjusted points per game every year of his career. And one thing we talk about profiles inertia, right? If a guy's been there, done that, and especially when they've done it every single year, you need to double down. You need to triple down. And the crazy thing is Kamara's price keeps going down. I, I remember it being in the twenties. You mentioned the late, the very latest startup drafts running back 30, 32. We, it seems like we're reaching close to the floor. Um, you had alluded on the premium show that you think it's going to be a situation where this will help his value, you know, that, that more of the market will be more on board with him to some degree, you know, higher up in startup drafts, just a little bit of extra juice in the trade market. And, and if you're going to miss games, missing games on the early side is going to be better than missing games on the later side. When do you want, when do you want Kamara, you get your team together and you have your difference makers. You want them there in December. And if he misses a couple, a couple games in uh, September, it's not really a big deal in the grand scheme of your season. So that's, that's one thing is that it's likely to be front loaded in terms of the games he misses. And like you said, it's trending in a direction that it's going to be even less than four games. You know, if you were making a bet today. Yeah, and like even if it's 10, right? Like he's coming back. That's Alvin Kamara perfect territory. Like you're getting Alvin Kamara on fresh legs for your playoff run. Like that's right. actually terrific, right? Like like I, I don't he's already priced at a point where you're almost assuming a partial season 
in terms right. of just whether he erodes or declines or gets injured or whatever, you're, he's already priced at a point that he's not even specifically in your starting lineup, a rotation of two guys. Right. And if you look next year, he's got a pretty big cap number. Um, they could cut him, right? They could save, you know, designate him a post June one cut next year and save like $11.8 million of his $18 million cap hit. So maybe there's, maybe that's in play, although he'll be 29 and I still think he'll get work. Right. So um, I, I don't, and he's not, I don't think he's in the Ezekiel Elliott territory of kind of eroding to that extent. And, you know, if he's just an interior runner, what does he do for you? Right. Like, I think, I think he's the type of running, like, you know, he's, he would be on Kansas city chiefs, Jerick McKinnon type watch, right? Like that's the type of situation that he would land in if he was a free agent. So um, I wouldn't be concerned about him. You know, I like he's he's priced really nice because there's a chance that he's a multi-year starter from outside the top 30. And that is very rare to happen, especially from guys that are proven. Right. That doesn't really happen very often. This is different than taking a shot on Alexander Madison a year ago. And you I'm not going to say luck into it, but you needed other things to happen. All of a sudden he is a starter, you know, beyond his rookie contract. And then he ends up having the job multiple years like that's a roundabout way to get there. Kamara, you're just taking the, well, the status quo approach and the price just falls right in front of your face is, is kind of what we're seeing now. Yeah. And, and you even look at a guy like James Cook, right? Like, you know, James Cook's going in a really similar situation. And like, I know what Kamara is. Like, we know what Kamara is. We're not necessarily sure what James Cook is, right? There's no guarantee that, you know, I tend to think he's probably underpriced, but I think Kamara is too, right? So, as a, but uh, as those data points go, right, you're, you're looking at James Cook and you say, okay, we're going with a base rate. He's around two running back. Yes. And then, then you just start adjusting, right? You're like, well, you know, does he have a prototypical size? If the answer is no, you know, maybe you're shading that down a little bit. Is he a receiving centric guy? What kind of offense is he on? What did he do in this first year? Like you just start adjusting, you know, as you, it's kind of like a snake going through a water uh, of adjusting that number. But with, with Kamara, you know, you're adjusting a number that is insanely high, you know, and your basic answer is, well, when does he decline? And when does he reach that nexus point? Because, and, and here's the thing, just one dynasty point on this. Too many people are too afraid of a guy completely eroding off of your roster entirely. I'll say this. Who's dropping Ezekiel Elliott right now? If you had him last year, I, I haven't seen him on any waiver wires. I didn't see him a part of, of annual drafts because people, uh, you know, someone picked him up at 305 because he was dropped. So again, the point is he's still on your roster and you still have, a chip in the game. You're still in, you're still live with someone like Fournette, someone like Zeke, and they're not done. The likelihood that they're gone from the NFL forever. And if they sign somewhere, look at Adrian Peterson. And yes, if you want to say Adrian Peterson was an all world talent and those guys are just, you know, all country or whatever, that the point is they're not done and they could still be multiple years in the NFL and they're not signing somewhere like Adrian Peterson sitting there on the, the, what was it? Washington or mm-hmm. well, no, the saints, he was running back mm-hmm. three or four on the saints, just sitting there on the, you knew that wasn't going to last. Right. So he, if they're in the NFL, they've got a role. And so that's the thing to remember with Kamara. Like even if you're, everyone's so afraid that they're just going to retire and you're going to end up cutting them. So what? So what if you get one year? And I think that's the line we've said, if you get one good typical year, it pays for itself, you know, twofold. Like, be careful what you think running back 30 to 35 in a dynasty startup draft is going to provide to you in brass tacks, quality starts, and quality finishes. Be careful about what you assess as that number. 
Yeah. One one other thing too, I would note that uh, I put out that tweet, you know, asking people what they thought. Someone said, put me down for eight. Um, I think that's historically unlikely, right? There's really no precedent for that. Um, and if he was suspended eight games, I think he gets in a situation where there's an appeal process that brings that down. Right. I, I think that, you know, that, that, because I think that's under the historical rules and under all the other prior suspensions, I think that'd be unfair. Uh, given the circumstances. One other thing I will note, right. I did this, right. I was a process. I am a prosecutor. I do it. I don't really do these types of cases anymore. Did them for a long time. In a case like this, where you have video, right, it's pretty clear about what happened, the actual incident. What I would caution people on is there is stuff that you don't know about why this happened, right? So there may be things that were said, right? There may be things that were done, right? There may be, we don't know what led to this. And so I would caution people, right? There was a reduction in this case, right? Instead of pleading guilty to a felony, he pled guilty to a misdemeanor. That is usually done because the prosecutor in the case knew something more than you and I sitting here know about the case in terms of a weakness. So I don't know if names were called. I don't know if there were slur or whatever the case is. You don't, we don't know that as we sit here, but you have to assume that there's a possibility of that. And that would be something that you would argue to the NFL as what you would call a mitigating factor on a, on a suspension, right? You would present that to the NFL and say, hey, listen, this is abnormal behavior for a player that's been in the league for a while and hasn't gotten in trouble. This happened. Here's why it happened, right? He did something wrong, punish him, but not eight games, right? Like, so I, I just, I, I would just caution people on going kind of overboard and vilifying him because there's stuff about this case that we don't know that I'm still curious about why it happened because it seems a atypical. Javante Williams uh, coming back from a serious knee injury said he expects to be cleared uh, for the start of training camp and be at least limited during those early practice sessions. Javante Williams is one that dynasty owners have stood by Jordan. I mean, his value and his expectations remain fervently high, even though, didn't play, you know, Melvin Gordon was a thorn in his side. They were pretty um, aggressive to get someone good of the veteran variety. Samaj P. Ryan, he sits in that potentially benefactor seat if Javante Williams is not ready. What do you think of the language? The thing that always gets me is expects, could be, probably, you know, it, it's nothing conclusive. And frankly, it's early July. You can't be conclusive at this point in time on how someone's knee is going to react when you actually get into August and daily practices and what limited really means for these players. But Javante Dante Williams, where do you sit on him today as we head towards that moment? You get the word salad, right? You just chop it up. It's just a bunch of words thrown together and, you know, you get the tongs and see what order they come out in. Um, yeah, listen, I, I, I think he's, I don't think he's that expensive, right? Like you look at both him, like Brees Hall is a lot more expensive and has similar questions. Again, the knee is probably worse on Javante Williams. I'll let the experts, you know, Dr. Gene and other people have sort of talked about that. Uh, but if Javante Williams is back in practicing and actually practicing as opposed to, you know, being on pop or whatever, right? I think he's probably undervalued because you look at guys in potential multi-year windows, right? He was performing well last year, not to the extent that Hall was, but he was performing well in an offense that was frankly a disaster. And you get to a spot where you're like, why are these guys priced so differently, right? Similar base rates, similar, all of these things. And one's like a top three running back and the other one's at 15. I just, I think that spread has been too wide for a long time. And I think maybe it's to say that Brees Hall is overvalued, 
But I also think that there's a case to be made that like you can't have Javante Williams much lower than he is, right? Because the the well, you look at the names, right? I mean, right. That that's the main thing. Like you look and you're like, he's around J.K. Dobbins, he's around DeAndre Swift or Miles Sanders or and Rashad. You'd much rather have Javante Williams than those yeah. guys, right? Well, yeah. j- well, just the range of outcomes, you know. Right. To use your phraseology, I mean, if you say one of those guys ends up having a top five season, I mean, we would both put poker chips on Javante Williams pretty easily. So. Yes. I mean, now he is going in a similar range as Damian Pierce. You know, he obviously has different pedigree range there. Um, and then a little behind guys like Pollard or Derrick Henry or, you know, guys that in a one-year scenario, you know, you say, what's their peak season going forward? That becomes a lot more of a competitive point. If not, Javante Williams has a lot more of the risk factors. But he's in a weird sort of zone between those two, uh, you know, those two cars of assets, those two cars of running back uh, profiles. Because J.K. Dobbins is a guy that, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument that he's as, as low as you can reasonably have him, but I can make the argument that there's still guys five to 10 spots below that. Like, what are they doing there? Like, why is JK Dobbins over those guys? And so I make a similar argument, argument with Javante Williams, because I mean, some of the things that, you know, we both know Cecil Lammy and he's in with the Denver Broncos and some of the things he said about Javante Williams and he knows him personally are not overly rosy about him just not having much to lose. If he's 80% of the player he was, that's a huge problem for Javante Williams as a grinder profile type. And that relies on, you know, versus contact. And the moment something goes with those guys, all of a sudden contact becomes heavy contact or unavoidable contact. And it's not one-on-one it's two-on-one. And then that erodes your entire game. So that's the one thing is we may see that. And I do think the risk factor of him turning into that player is more pronounced than say Brees Hall, you know, and he is, isn't the dynamic option, let's say of getting all the way back. And what does that mean in terms of the passing game? And, but I think what, what you're saying is the spread is pretty severe, you know, Brees Hall up in the top two or three of the position, Javante Williams, 10, 15 spots below. That's a big spread, you know, for two younger players coming off of significant knee injuries. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, like you you get a shot at, a running back one in Sean Payton's offense, right? That has worked well, right? And and honestly, from guys that haven't necessarily been elite, Mark Ingram, right? Latavius Murray, right? It's just a, it's been a lot of guys that have produced well. I mean, he's like, since in his entire tenure there, right? He would have ranked number one last year in expected points. Right. That through that entire stretch, right? He was the top running back. Uh, he would have been the top running back offense, right? If you average all the running backs together last year. Um, I, I just, he's uh, like, that's a, that is a situation where at running back 15, 16, right? JK Dobbins, give me a break. Like Javante Williams, you want the running back one in a Sean Payton offense? Like that's an, and by the way, if they were really concerned about it, wouldn't they have done more than bring in Samaje P. Ryan? That's a that's a thing for me that I've kept coming back to. Like, I understand why they're in this sort of Delvin Cook talk, right? And there's guys that are still out there that maybe would be options for them, but it just seems odd that that. Well, that's gonna be the thing we look for, right? That's gonna if Denver makes a move, and it's not just like we're getting somebody that someone else is gonna cut, you know, that we had interest in. I mean, right now it's Tyler Beatty, you know, that that's the next most notable name. And like you said, that's weak sauce, you know, and that's basically saying, well, if P Ryan's the week one starter, what are you doing at running back two? You know, and so maybe that's something that really is the key thing over the next, say, six weeks. Does Denver make a move? And that's in correspondence with Javante Williams, maybe 
trending towards being on the pop or missing time in the regular season and not being on a path to at least avoiding the pup being active. Even if he's not the full-fledged starter, you know, maybe he's seeing eight to 10 touches and it's a full-fledged committee to begin the year, whatever slow playing he gets into incorporating into the offense. If he's not on that pathway, Denver has to make a move. And with the notable veterans out there, that's something that should really peak up our, our, our little, uh, our, our ears, you know, for, for something that if Denver makes a move and it's enough, then that's going to be, trending the wrong way on Javante Williams here. Yes. All right. Uh, last one, we have the Colts, Gardner Minshew. Maybe he's a candidate. He already was a candidate to start early in the season. Jim Ursay talking that we know Richardson is going to be someone that has to play to get better. He doesn't have a, a huge sample size of starting opportunities in college. And Gardner Minshew is the perfect type that, that could play early on. Just be, having that veteran profile, he started for multiple teams. Um, so what do you kind of think about Minshew possible bridge? You know, if you have uncertainty at quarterback, maybe he sees early season starts. And then obviously Richardson with his profile of hasn't played a ton and obviously some question marks and needs to get better as a passer. Yeah, we saw the, right. This is kind of the curse of the low draft pedigree, right? We saw him play respectably uh, in his first two years in Jacksonville in pretty grim circumstances, but it's a six round pick. That's not good enough. He goes to Philadelphia is a backup, you know, plays, I think admirably uh, in a couple of, in a couple of uh, situations. And I think it's worth noting that he followed his offensive coordinator to Indianapolis, right? So that's that is worth noting that that move followed Shane Steichen to be the head coach of Indy. So I would just, you know, I think he's probably a system guy. I think that prob- they know exactly who he is. Uh, you know, maybe there's some spot starts. I don't know how good the situation is. Right? I'm I'm a little tepid on a guy like Michael Pittman versus the market. I think so. I don't necessarily know. It wouldn't be surprising, right? That that he starts a couple of games uh, that if you look at some of the market lines and stuff like that, like the betting odds, like there is, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson is near the bottom of them, which would indicate that maybe there's a couple of games that, that Gardner Minshew starts. So that wouldn't be terribly surprising, but I don't think it would be an indictment of Richardson either. I would point out one of my favorite Gardner Minshew stats is the only active quarterbacks uh, right now that are projected to be, you know, even remote starters with a, a better touchdown interception rate ratio. We got Aaron Rodgers, We got Patrick Mahomes. That's the list. So Minshew is right there. And like you said, I mean, pedigree is just working against him. He's going to be someone that's going to be that constant, maybe a Ryan Fitzpatrick type, you know, where we saw some good things from him, but he can stay around a long time as a backup and someone that can see spot starts over and over again, despite changing teams. So yeah, Minshew is one that, again, if you have uncertainty building out a team or right now you have three or four backups, do you like, well, you know, week, week one, it might be a, a Gardner Minshew. You know, I have, I have a, a few other backups, but he is the most likely that doesn't need an injury that could actually start week one, see a few starts where it's just because they want to give a few more reps of here's what it takes to go into game day, you know, with their quarterback of the future. And frankly, quarterback of mid season, probably at, at, at the latest. So um, I do wonder what the upside is just because I don't think the weapons are that great. They're going to run the ball. Uh, I think they're probably gonna have some Anthony Richardson presence in the offense, like Trey Lance, you know, like I don't think he might not play at all, but he might, you know, get three to five carries, three to five snaps in a game or in the red zone that affect what's going on in that offense. 
much like you would see with the 49ers uh, with a starter versus maybe a, an athletic quarterback getting a few, uh, a few snaps there. So um, yeah, really exciting for, for Minshew uh, if he were to get more data points here and just continue to build out that longer term profile. Do you think there's ever a day in his NFL career that he enters week one as the like an actual start a team's actual plan at, at quarterback? I almost fell a, I almost yeah. fell over when you were talking when you said that he's the got the third best uh, touchdown yeah. interception ratio. It's forty four to fifteen. I know with seven point one yards per attempt and a and a in a really bad Jacksonville offense. And we just don't see a pathway for him to ever be a week one starter. It's pretty right. baffling. But like you said, he followed his coach and all he can do is keep putting up solid performances, you know, yeah. and he'll with with the state of backups around the NFL, he will end up as somebody's backup next year. And that's the situation. Like, I wish he went into Miami like that. Wouldn't that be glorious? Oh, like yeah. if he goes, I mean, because now it's Mike White and that's fine. But if it was Gardner Minshew or someone like that, whoo, wheels up even more. Yeah. Um. All right. Did I get enough segment in Dynasty trading? I picked uh, actually two saucy guys here that were traded for each other. We've got in Superflex, Jamar Chase and a second next year for Bijan Robinson and Jordan Addison. So if you want to take Jamar Chase, if you want to take Bijan Robinson, did you get enough? I mean, this feels fair, right? Like, I mean, in terms of market value, right? I think it kind of depends on how you want to build your team. Um, this is Bijan plus for Chase, right? I mean, is that that's how you're reading it because of the second versus Addison? Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't think I'd pay a future first for Jordan Addison. So that's about yeah, you know, that's about right. He was going sure. later first this year, but I wouldn't pay a future first for him. So yeah, it's a little bit more than than Bijan for for Jamar Chase. But like the one thing I would say, which one's more rare? Right, in terms of like Chase is rare because he's the elite alpha one but the step from that to basically the next tier isn't as big as the step from Bijan robinson to whatever the next tier at running back is because there's once you sort of step past Bijan robinson there's a lot of concerns about age there's injury concerns there's that right like those things are very sort of prevalent in the position generally um so I think it's fair. I think it it says a lot about your team build. I mean, historically, we would be sort of on the chase side of this saying like, all right, anchor around wide receivers. And, you know, you can sort of just do that and build out at at running back with a lot of depth. Um, This is interesting on the other side of it. Yeah, I was I was immediately think, well, here's the other part. If Bijan Robinson has a good season. And I know that the the threshold for what that means for Bijan Robinson is probably different than your typical running back. But if he posts, is that top eight, top 10? I mean, Najee Harris, for example, like he was top eight or so as a rookie, right? Mm-hmm. Like he could do at least that. Now, again, you're going to throw out the stat, right? That Najee Harris led, led all running backs in, in receptions that year. And Bijan Robinson, not trending that direction just because of that situation he's in. So... But I think of it this way. If B. John Robinson posts, the gap between him and the field, I mean, this could be so extreme because the running back formula, I've always say at 21 years old, you get the whole thing. You know, the whole window to 27 or 28 or so, you get it from 21 and on. And Jonathan Taylor, half of that prime is gone. Brees Hall coming off an injury. Joshua Jacobs, at least half of that is gone. McCaffrey, almost the whole thing is gone. Barkley, it's mostly gone. Jameer Gibbs, is he going to be a workhorse? Great question. Najee Harris, it's mostly gone. ETN, halfway gone. 
Kenneth Walker questions. So, I mean, that's the competition level. I mean, Bijan Robinson versus the field could be pronounced. And Addison, I was just quickly looking up. I didn't quite finish, but I mean, what could you flip him for? Even if you don't like him, you know, you're getting Bijan Robinson, who he has more upside potential in a startup than Jamar Chase, right? Because Jamar Chase, it's weird to say he could have plateaued already, but in a super flex, he's not moving up anymore. In a, in a one quarterback, he's already kind of there. So Bijan Robinson, I mean, it's within the range of outcomes that he's up in the top one, two, three of us of a one quarterback startup and in consideration in the mid first with a good season. And that gets you an elite quarterback if you want one. Like you are right there. So I just think you have a lot of options that over there because Addison over the second, just in terms of the market value and being able to flip him for a veteran if you want. Um, and just I mean, it's it's Bijan plus in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, Addison's way higher than I expected just because he's higher than what I view as his value. So, um, yeah, to me, this is you definitely got enough for Jamar Chase and you don't move off of Jefferson or Chase easily. But this is definitely something that can make you do it. Yeah, they're real close in price, too. I mean, this is 109 in a startup draft versus like 201, right? Like 112, 201. So, I mean, it's really close in terms so, of where those guys are. Let me ask you this then. So if you're on the Bijan side of this and you you acquired Chase, what would be the team dynamic that would make you do something like this? I wouldn't do it in a startup draft because I'm taking a quarterback right. there. Yeah, like an existing league, trading Bijan and Addison for Chase Plus. Like what what would prompt you to do that? Trading Bijan for Chase Plus? Um, if I was really deep at running back, I guess that would be that would be something that to to peruse. Wouldn't you go for Jefferson? I would. Okay. Yeah. I think I think Jefferson, like the tiering at receivers clear to me. Jefferson's one tier break, Chase is two, right? I I, I think that's that's clear. Um, uh, but maybe you can't get Jefferson, right? Right. What, what my maybe question you have Jeff? Maybe you have Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing I would say about this too is like a cautionary note. I tend to find that that dynasty GMs that make this deal tend to be scared about running backs, right? That trade, hey, you get the opportunity to take Bijan Robinson, and you uh, like he could get hurt. All those things. If that is true, right? he should be in a deal for a quarterback, right? Like you should be before you trade him for Jamar chase, like use that chip to get, like put him in a Mahomes deal, right? Put him in a deal, like put a deal in front of the Josh Allen GM, put a deal in front of the Patrick. You might be able to go like Jordan love plus this one Oh one proxy, you know, that was turned into B. John Robinson and something very small, or maybe that's it and get all the way up there. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of like, uh, like put it off. If you're worried about insulation, really insulate yourself. Yeah. Go, go for the gusto. Go all the way. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Like pull the, you know, put the, put the player out there that can really make a difference. I I do think like the ceiling, the ceiling outcome for Bijan Robinson is a bigger difference maker than the ceiling outcome for Jamar Chase. And that's true of all running backs, right? That's true at the top of the position. I think that's true pretty much generally. Um, but the risk is higher, right? So that's that's the decision process that you're making, right? Chase is a higher floor player uh, for a lot of the, the reasons there. Um, it's an interesting debate, right? I think it's an interesting debate. And they're close to each other, right? So it makes a lot of sense. 
the other trade we have this week, and we're we're passing back some picks as well as some running backs. We got AJ Dillon, two twelve four oh seven for Antonio Gibson, two oh three. So moving up in the second round there, and three oh two in a one quarterback. So this is interesting because they're both going to be free agents next year. So that's that's one where you kind of like look at and you say, hmm, like who's going to hit the market better? Um, I don't know the answer to that question, um, but I think people that are super optimistic about Gibson, I would tap the brakes on that. The Kansas City offense that Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator of was not this high-powered running back offense. Some of that's Patrick Mahomes. Some of that is scheme design. So I just sort of tap the brakes on that. And Washington has been a really good offense for running backs because like J.D. McKissick, uh, Gibson, right? They have been pretty lucrative in terms of in terms of running back. So just be careful there. Um, it's a big move up from 212 to 203, though. Like that's that's one of the things. And if you just sort of say, just generally all injury away running backs are about the same, you shouldn't really pick favorites, right? That's actually a pretty big move up. That's crossing tiers in a in a. It ensures draft. you get one of the good day two injury away guys because yeah. even if you're going to be super aggressive, you can get Tank Bigsby. Um, you're probably past the point of Kendra Miller. Um, but the point is, you can get a day two guy. I think that's well, why I think that yeah. would be the reason why I would do this deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have Dylan and Gibson neck and neck, you know, back to back in the rankings. And so if this is 212 to 207, that I think is less of a big deal. But I still think it is. I think at 212, you could be, you know, squeezed out and maybe looking to trade that for a future second. And then even a few spots higher, you have a higher confidence curve of getting someone like Bigsby or better at the running back position. And then 302, you know, again, you parlaying that potentially, you know, that plus a future third to a future second, um, you just have more options. 407, you're kind of out in the weeds. It's a priority free agent that you might be flipping for uh, waiver dollars or you might be taking a guy that's not on your week one roster. Um, so I do think those are two tangible upgrades there at the position where you say, Dylan, as well as Gibson, they both probably need an injury, you know, that they're in the same bucket of, you know, good enough. We, we can see upside with them in the perfect storm, but guess what? The perfect storm isn't how we see it right now. So you have to be careful with that. Yeah. And as I sort of looked at this again, I just, I come back to this and uh, you just don't see it necessarily when you're sort of looking at the picks, but 212 and 302, they're the same. So this isn't a move up from 212 to 203. This is a move up from 407 to 203. Yeah. This is not a this is not a move up in the second round. This is actually a move up from the fourth round of the second round. So take the two picks that are close enough together that that don't matter in terms of 212 and 302 set them aside. It's AJ Dillon and 407 for Antonio Gibson and 203. Take the yeah. pick. Right? Massive, take exactly. the pick. Right. The pick might there is a decent outcome within the next 24 months that the pick is the most valuable thing here. Correct. So you're getting that as an add-on so you take take Gibson. You know, it's not like you're moving to, you know, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn or something like you're still getting someone in the same area code of running backs. And by the way, this is a good example. When people talk about like, how do you build depth, right? This isn't you build depth through way, trading right? elite players for depth, right? You build right. depth through tr arbitraging players that are very similar in tiers, and, yeah. and taking out big chunks of of pick value that gets you another injury away running back. That's how you two, build out two oh three might get you Mike Evans, you know, if you feel a little uncertain yeah. in the wide receiver core. If 407 Absolutely. isn't getting you anything. Right.
Absolutely. And so I just, I think like, that's the way, like you can kind of cheap out like arbitrage and tears. Right. And, and, um, and non-vital tears. Like that's the important, we do that in season all the time, right? We flip a running back. We're like, eh, you know, it might be a spot start. We're not really going to use them this week, but we flip that to a pick that can become something. We flip that to a player that a little older, but they're going to provide more quality starts on average. So absolutely. That's how you do it. All right. Uh, Jordan, you are up this week in from life and dynasty lessons learned and spinning that towards our dynasty ownership and teams. All right. So it's worth noting that most of my life lessons are learned on a bike. It's typically because I am, I get a lot of time to think or something happens and I can, you know, whatever. So I went out for a bike ride today, had like an hour and a half and uh, I decided to go try and set a record up a hill. I was able to actually do so. felt really good about it. Came down. I was going to, I had two ways to come home. I could go home the flat way or I could go home like the really hard way. The easier way or the hard way. Yeah. So I decided to begin up this hill and I get, I'm I'm about, I don't know, a quarter of a mile up it. And I was like, you know, my legs are going to fall off. I just, I went too hard on the last hill. Like I have, like, this is another half mile of just horror. Like, I'm not going to be able to get this. Like the, I'm pretty sure the road was designed by Satan. Like it's 14%. It's, it's awful. Like, I don't want to go through this. So I decided to turn myself back around and to take the easy way home. And of course, what do I do? I pull out a tire and not only do I blow out a tire, my air pump breaks while putting it together. I had to hitch a ride from a stranger home. So oh. the lesson is don't, don't cheap out. Don't go the easy route, right? Sometimes the, the hard route is actually the better one. And just to actually go about it instead of being this, you know, uh, cop out of, Hey, I'll go the easy way home. Like take sometimes the hard way. Sometimes the most direct way is the right way to do it. Well, and you know, that applies to new formats, right? You know, mm-hmm. like take your lumps, like whether that's super flex, whether that's IDP, whether that's too tight end with diabolical scoring, uh, could be Devi, could be a number of things. And when you, um, you know, avoid it, let's say, and just take the easy route, you're never going to be in there. That might become your favorite format and you don't know. And if you don't try it out, you don't know. And I mean, you didn't use the word karma, but I mean, it's that karma saying, Jordan, you should have gone up that hill. Yeah. Right. And here's the other thing, Jordan. Here's the other thing I thought of. So you pull out the bike pump and you're like, all right, well, this is my fail safe. This is my backup plan. Right. And, and we've seen this. How about the San Francisco 49ers? You thought they were deep enough at quarterback. They were not narrator. They were not. And we always talk about like, oh, build depth, build depth, screw depth, because guess what? Your depth might not be deep enough. Right. Right. You still may be down to the screws and picking a guy up off the waiver wire. You hope, you know, throws for 200 yards in December because you went that deep. So just because you're and that's why I think it's hilarious. Some of these teams, they're like, ha ha, of course, I could trade away my QB three and super flex. Of course, things will be fine. (laughs) Nobody ever misses games. 50 quarterbacks a year start games. Apparently, it's not your two that are going to miss any time. Don't worry. (laughs) You might be the exact one affected that misses 10 plus games and you're in a hurt locker. Like, you got to be really careful with this. Like, you're never deep enough. I talked about two lineup theory. Like, you got to get double lineup across. Like, I can insulate yourself from any one injury at any position. That still might not be enough. Mm-hmm. And that actually, I was thinking of the startup you're doing right now, right? You have you have three stud tight ends, yeah. and it's a start one. So you could start all of them, but guess what? If one of them's down, you're still playing keep away, and you can still flex one. Like, being deep enough, if the format warrants, like, there is no easy route. Like, the hard route is just continually hitting people with that premium over and over again. 
Do you, yeah. do you think you were going to walk up that hill? Like if you stayed, what was going to happen? You're just going to go insanely slow. Well, I didn't have a tire to ride on. So I was like, no, no, no. I meant when you, when you chose to turn around on the hill. Oh, well, I could go the flatter way home and get home, you know, probably as quick or almost well, you turned as quick. No, 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 no. You turned around though. You said you you started up the hill and you're like, oh my God, I'm gassed. So I was going to turn around and take the, the easy way home. Yeah. But, but, I if decided... you, but could, were you not going to make it at all up the hill? I would have made it, but, but like, you, I wasn't okay, going to so die, just, but okay. I would have made it. You wouldn't have had to walk up the hill, right? No, no, I wouldn't have walked, okay. but I just, I was like, yeah. I had just cooked my legs just trying right. to set the record up the other hill that I just didn't have uh, like, right. enough to feel like I wanted to sort of talk to put up with it. Okay. And I paid the price, right? And yeah. karma. So next time I'm going straight over the hill. And, uh, yeah. and by the way, not only did my tire pop, not only did my pump <laughs> break, but the pump is a CO2 pump. And oh, it, no. and when it when I actually I couldn't get it to go I couldn't get it to go I couldn't get it to yeah. go on the on the thing I take <laughs> it off and then it 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 blows right in my eye so not, <laughs> not only did my tire bone it was like adding I'm not insult hurt. insult to injury yeah. to your tire oh, yeah my and I'm just like yeah so um this nice gentleman named Eric decided to give me a ride home with Shout his out. four-year-old son who is, uh, they were great. So you were just randomly playing uh, one of your podcasts on the way home. You're like, excuse me, I got a, <laughs> I got a quality control. Check this thing. Do you play dynasty? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the ride, Eric. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty bad. So going up and over the hill next. Yeah. Time. Excellent. Uh, what's on the premium side of dynasty think tank this week over at patreon.com slash dynasty think tank. Got some good after hours. Going to have some questions, some deeper dives, some get to know the hosts. I got some some of that going on. Might actually uh, discuss a little Garrett Wilson too. Um, and then we have, uh, uh, we just dive, dope, a deep dive into the NFC South uh, running back situation. A lot of discussion there. I think we have a couple of uh, really good favorites in that division, right? Some guys that have been uh, in our orbit for a really long time uh, that we still really like the price. So go ahead and check all that out. It's 10 bucks a month to get you uh, two additional podcasts a week. And we're also sprinkling in some uh, uh, some office hour stuff too. I did one on Mark Andrews, right? You've done other stuff as well. Like we were just sort of kicking back those shows, you know, 10, 15 minutes uh, in terms of just, just some simple strategy stuff that we're working on. So just to get you more content and, and all the like, you know, I've, we've got some more ideas coming on the pike as well about uh, about different conversations and stuff that we can have with subscribers and try to help people out. So um, go ahead, check that out and uh, and it'll get you all the more content. Excellent. Yeah, if you like this show, you want to get more shows is how it goes. And again, us going through running back depth charts in depth is uh, tried and true. You know, we've been doing that for years and you're able to get that by division here in the doldrums of the summer months and get you ready and get you prepped for the change that is coming, but at least the static point of where we're starting from with all those running back depth charts, NFC South up this week. And we're through most of the divisions with still some to go. And by the so, way, this is a time of year where a lot of podcasts go on break. They go on vacation and everything. We don't do that. Like, we you went on vacation, but we, we doubled up and yeah. you know, we, you Double wouldn't know, show. you wouldn't, you wouldn't know if you were a subscriber here, right. Yeah. If you're listening to us, right. You, you get it right. I mean, I don't, I don't really, we were talking about this before. I don't really know what vacation is right. Like, no. I don't know. It's boring. It's a boring hours concept. Off, right? I take a couple hours off and then I jump back in the group me chat and start talking yeah. to people. I don't know. Whatever. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, imagine when the Super Bowl hits going dark for six weeks or something, maybe waking up a little bit around the NFL free agency. Imagine going dark uh, a couple weeks after the NFL draft for a month or two. 
I, I, I just can't imagine these things. It's just hard not to be plugged in. And that's the best thing I think about Dynasty Think Tank is, is it, it allows us to scratch this itch of, hey, let's let's do even more, right? Let's talk even right. more, right? Instead of instead yeah. of doing 35, 40 minutes on a show and then talking to you next week, let's do more. Let's explore more concepts. Let's do different things. I think it's I think that's why this has been so uh, exciting. And I, I think that you can kind of yeah. hear that when we talk. Yeah, and thanks so much. I mean, the early results for uh, for the Patreon side has been really great. And uh, that momentum continues. So again, that excitement and like you said, support fuels our um, creativity for what we're going to offer there, especially on the premium side and here on the weekly free show that uh, you've all been listening to. Thanks so much, as I mentioned, for listening to Dynasty Think Tank. You can follow us on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL at McNamara Dynasty. Plus, we have our own Dynasty content streams, analyticsofdynasty.com and uthdynasty.com. And as always, unlock your ceiling and seek elite results. Thank you.